Until recently, access for foreign media to Indonesia's region of Papua, known as West Papua, has been heavily restricted. But after Indonesia's new president, Joko Widodo, recently signalled restrictions were being lifted, Radio New Zealand international journalists Johnny Blades and Karoy Hawkins gained rare access to the province. They found a corner of Indonesia which has undergone rapid change, leaving the indigenous people of Papua struggling to participate in development, but determined to protect their culture and rights. Inside asks how West Papuans are faring under Indonesian rule, and what kind of future they face. It feels strange. There's a gaggle of Indonesians, a family and a couple of soldiers, and us. That's all. We're in the space they call no man's land. A hundred metre stretch between the customs offices of two neighbouring countries, on the land border between Papua New Guinea in the east and Indonesia in the west. We're a little bit nervous because we're about to go through a military checkpoint up ahead. For a long time, West Papua has been largely closed off to outside access. But recently, Indonesia's new president, Joko Widodo, signalled restrictions on foreign media access to West Papua were being lifted. Just crossed the border between Papua New Guinea and Indonesia, West Papua, Indonesia. We've just come through. This is the line between the Pacific Islands region and Asia. So we're really just here, right here on the cusp. I'm Johnny Blades, and along with my colleague Karoy Hawkins, I took up the rare chance to enter West Papua to speak to and film local people, from fishermen through to government officials from Jakarta. This insight explores how West Papuans are faring under Indonesian rule, and what kind of future they face. Driving to the Papua provincial capital, Jayapura, it becomes clear that the Indonesian side of the island of New Guinea is starkly different to PNG. Productive use of farmland, sealed roads, efficient infrastructure, cart hawkers and scooters buzzing by. As we enter the city, the Indonesian cultural and religious influence is everywhere. Former colonial masters, the Dutch had been preparing West Papuans for independence in the early 1960s, but Indonesia's first leader, President Sukarno, was determined to claim the resource-rich western half of New Guinea. The US, anxious to keep the fledgling state of Indonesia away from communist influence, brokered a 1962 agreement with the Dutch to allow Indonesian occupation of the territory while it prepared for a self-determination plebiscite. Despite negligible consultation with West Papuans themselves, West Papua was formally incorporated into Indonesia in 1969 by the UN-sanctioned Act of Free Choice. Franz Albert Joku is a West Papuan who in recent years has returned to live in his homeland after years in exile campaigning for independence. Right throughout history, we have been, Papuan has been treated unfairly by almost everyone. That's why, as a Papuan, I am today saying, mindful about my children and their children and their children, enough is enough. Let us deal with the authority that is uh, here. Let us deal with the decisions taken by international organizations, particularly the United Nations. Let us cultivate an existence that can conform to all these decisions taken over and above our, our heads. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Three decades of rule by the Suharto dictatorship left a bloody legacy of repression of West Papuans and a simmering separatist conflict, which, according to various estimates, has killed between 150 to 500,000 West Papuans. Reports of flagrant abuse by security forces in West Papua have piled up over the years, although restricted access to the region has made some of these reports difficult to verify. But many West Papuans have had to flee. Amatis Dow reached Australia in a canoe nine years ago. I have many reasons why I leave my West Papuan country. Firstly, because of extrajudicial killings and jailings that long time Indonesians military and police treat the West Papuan people, including myself, when I was seven years old, boy. They took me in a jail two nights without any reason. And also, my mom beat her. Several years later, my mom died because of he got very hard injury in, inside. West Papuans who speak out are in danger of being branded separatists. There's around 50 known political prisoners detained in West Papua. The most prominent West Papuan political prisoner is Philip Kama, who we paid a visit to at Abepura Prison, where he is 11 years into a 15-year jail term for raising the banned Papuan nationalist flag. The Jokowi administration has recently freed a handful of political prisoners. But Philip Kama says he refused the government offer of a pardon because it would involve admitting guilt for a crime he didn't commit. As he farewells us from the prison entrance, Mr Kama thanks Pacific Islands governments who voice concerns about rights abuses in Papua. Thank you for Prime Minister of Salomon, Mr Sogafare, and also all uh, pastor in all the church in Salomon, Vanuatu, Virgin, Papua New Guinea, and all Melanesian country. Please uh, continue to support us until our independence. While Indonesia has undergone significant democratic transformation and in recent years strong economic expansion, West Papua has remained somewhat of a development backwater. Yafeth Fele is a fisherman in Yobe village on Lake Sentani. Every day he gathers his nets, prepares his canoe and rows off to gather food. But his village lacks access to basic services. These are the things his village wants from government. We need a more uh, health centre like this one. Uh, because this one is uh, it's only building. There is no medical staff, there is no people's work there. They uh, close the school and they build a new one so far from here, seven kilometers. The water is not good here because we need the clean water, but uh, the water now is contaminated by the garbage and anything here. Water in the lake is not uh, clean now, it's contaminated, so there is, the population of fish here is getting low. Twenty kilometres away in the hustle of the capital, there are signs of rapid change. You find some Papuans adapting, others in the gutter. It's good to live here. We can get education and health service. You money for me. I'm I'm done money. I'm poor man. I'm the work. What happened? I'm the one.
This is central Abhapura, it's a sub-district of Jayapura city and really it's the business hub of the Papua provincial capital. And the vast majority of the businesses here are run by non-Papuans, that is uh, Javanese and other Indonesians. It's estimated in a Sydney University study that West Papuans are now the minority in West Papua and they are likely to make up less than 30% in five years time. The main driving factor, a state program called Transmigration, where people from other overpopulated parts of the Republic resettled in less crowded regions like West Papua. Transmigration has been changing the face of West Papua society in the last two decades. Papua's provincial governor, Lucas Anembe, says transmigration marginalises West Papuans. I have said to media that I refuse transmigration uh, from outside Papua, coming into Papua. Why I, I refuse my uh, migration, like transmigration? Because it triggers more unemployment for the native Papuans. Uh, there are many native Papuans, they live under poverty. Then the question is, do we have enough capacity to compete with other migrants coming into Papua from other places? Leo Mberi, the Secretary-General of the Papua Customary Council, says every week up to four ships arrive in Papua with migrants from other parts of Indonesia. And one big ship can bring about 1,000 to 3,000 people. So if, if one week there, there are four, four big ships come to Papua, it means that in one week, we have about four to 12,000 people who come to Papua. Uh, it is alarming and this is a big warming for us. Not only for the culture, but for the future life of the Papuan people. Because if there is demographic change in Papua, you will lose in political control, but economic, social, everything you will lose. It's early evening in uh, Koto Raja, just uh, coming to a place where there's a meeting of the steering committee for a big upcoming conference of Papuan customary uh, groups. So these guys are from all around the Papua region, not just Papua province, but West Papua province, which is the far west flank of uh, New Guinea and uh, there's quite a lot of experience around that table and they're all quite united in their bid to try and sort of leverage more protection of Papuan political, customary, land, social and human rights. Alongside Leo Mberi at this committee is a former West Papuan politician, Winand Watori. He tells me the special autonomy package granted to Papua some 15 years ago is widely considered a failure. Autonomy is the, the middle way. But after uh, 15 years implemented the special autonomy, make a, this a big problem for a people right now. Uh, and then we have no future. Why? Because uh, the situation in education and health and economy, it's not changed. It's not rise. But uh, right now, people have migrant from the Indonesia has come to Papua. It's a make the problem is become uh, a big for us. In recent years, the two provinces of Papua and West Papua were allocated the biggest budgets of any provinces in all of Indonesia. But largely, the money hasn't made it through to Papuan communities. 
More often than not, it's diverted to business interests of individuals, and often personnel from Indonesia's military and security forces are blamed. The funds also get eaten up by an ever-expanding list of district administrations and provincial bureaucracies. Another present at the steering committee meeting is Septa Manafandu of the Papua People Network. He's wary of government plans to carve another province out of the Papua region. When we're talking about development, concrete development, how to government create good facility in the like education, health, in the sub-district and the district. Not create more province and then it seems like we create the new problems. We don't need the, the province, we just need development. But there are signs that Jakarta is now listening. Only a year into his presidency and Joko Widodo has visited Papua more than any previous president and is committed to solving the problems of Papua, which he identifies as being a lack of welfare and economic development. His government has embarked on a series of projects to foster development among grassroots Papuan communities. The head of a government task force on development in Papua, Judith Dipotaputro, is overseeing the construction of a major new market facility in Sentani, where Papuans can sell homegrown products. Ms Dipotaputro says the president believes a country as large and culturally diverse as Indonesia can't be managed from afar. It has to be on the ground. Proof is, uh, for example, if you see at this uh, market, the need for not modernization, but to help them integrate into modern market mechanism is there. But that again, we need to educate them. The facade market is what Ms. Depotiputro calls an integrated complex, where the government's trying to meet all the cultural and welfare challenges and empowering what she calls the mamas, who she describes as the natural leaders of productivity. This home is going to help them educate. So it's going to be a big public kitchen but also the mama mamas can use for their own cooking. So when they get home at night and they have to serve dinner, you know, it doesn't take them over extra time where they're already tired, taking care of the kids the whole day, trying to sell, and then getting home and still having to cook. There's going to be also public showers with clean water and education on how to have a hygienic. Is, is this sort of modifying traditional Melanesian ways and values though? No. She expects Jakarta's development drive to help foster a sense of satisfaction among Papuans with being part of Indonesia. Of course, because the majority of our people are grassroots. The problem of Papua is not unique to Papua. We have poverty, uneducation, lack of competitiveness, lack of basic infrastructure all over Indonesia. For many West Papuans, the development discussion pales in comparison to issues of security. Despite efforts in Jakarta to reform the system, Indonesia's military remains somewhat of a law unto itself in West Papua. The regional military commander recently apologised to the people of Papua for past abuses committed by soldiers. However, West Papuans say the apology means little when there's widespread impunity for security forces who assault and kill. The brother of this young West Papuan was one of four unarmed youths killed by military and police in the Highlands area of Paniai last year. But he has no faith anyone will be held to justice. My brother, young brother, who got shot, and I don't want to take any, any justice. Like a customary law, I can uh, go to the military and tell them you need to pay something because you shot my brother, but I don't want to take uh, 
the law, the customary law, so I leave it. Jakarta is deploying growing numbers of troops to West Papua, but the military not only fulfills a security role, but it also has an expansive presence in businesses such as logging and security. West Papua is witnessing economic development, but West Papuans appear to be bystanders. Go into a bank, a service station, a pizza hut, and you'll struggle to find a West Papuan. Young West Papuans I meet on the street are trying to carve out a meaningful living. Atias Sobolim is training to be a teacher. He would like to go to the remote area because uh, there's no teacher there and many Papuans cannot get uh, access for the education. So I, uh, when I graduate from the university, I will come back to the, my place or the remote area in the highland and I, I will be happy if I can, get, I can be a teacher there. Barbalina Mina Mandanas is a medical student who wants to help improve HIV-AIDS infection rates in Papua, which are the worst in Indonesia. I will uh, share my knowledge. So the most important thing for me is uh, to do something for the HIV-AIDS prevent West Papuan people. The local football team, Persipura Jayapura, is the top team in the Indonesian Football League. We visit the team at a practice session where they're surrounded by friends, family and fans. Defender Boas Salosa says the ongoing success of Persipura has galvanised pride among Papuans. Many people here, and uh, young people here, they, they play the football in the street and in the home. So they, they have, uh, so they, and they have uh, their dreams to become a principal player. So people say they're very strong for the uh, football and the grassroots. Salosa is one of a handful of Persipura players in the Indonesian national side. Another is star midfielder Emmanuel Wangai. What's it like being uh, a Melanesian player in the Indonesian national team? I'm not Indonesian. Said bukan orang Indonesia. Saya Melanesia. I'm not Indonesian. I'm Melanesian. Yeah. I will play as an Indonesian citizen, but it's not 100% for my heart, so I am not 100% to play for Indonesia. West Papuans appear to identify as being primarily Melanesian people, with their worship of ancestors' spirits and animist beliefs being absorbed by the world's largest Muslim country was never going to be easy. Coexistence between different faiths has generally been peaceful, but reports of conflict filtering out from West Papua often refer to groups with vested interests in destabilising the region. This includes sections of Indonesia's security forces who have contracts to protect the massive gold and copper mine complex operated by the US company Freeport McMoran. There have been a series of violent deaths over the years at the mine, which is high in the mountains of Papua province. Since Freeport was granted a licence by Jakarta in the 1960s, its Grasberg mine operations have been Indonesia's single biggest revenue earner. However, the governor of Papua, Lucas Anembe, says West Papuans have seen no benefits from Freeport's mine, which is why local landowners in Tamika are suing Freeport for 15 billion US dollars. Mr Anembe is pushing for locals to get a greater share of mining activity. So that we can have um, ownership over the company. 
second one, um, Freeport has to release some of its area and give it back to the province, provincial government so that we can have um, the right to manage our own natural resources, which has been taken away from us for so long. The third one is um, its commitment to develop Papua. Our point is that if, the, if they don't have commitment to develop Papua, then there's no point they're here. Septa Manafandu says one of the root problems for West Papuans is the way land and resources have been misappropriated for logging and mining companies. Papuans' perspective about the, the forest is like the mother. They can get everything from the forest, food, hunting, and then also at the same time they can implement the tradition in the forest. But after government climbed the, the, the forest, they're difficult to how to implement the tradition. Papua people angry about it. When they lose land, seems like we can easy to kill them. Rampant forest clearance in Papua plays a part in the current peatland and forest fires out of control across Indonesia, belching toxic fog out over Southeast Asia in one of the worst ecological disasters for years. If forestry is to continue in Papua, some people ask if West Papuans can be part of it. The head of Jayapura Regency, Matthias Awetau, says central government issues instructions about how to capitalise on West Papua's resources but it's often not well coordinated on the ground. So basically, this uh, below the seniors team, they lack communication. For example, there's another issue that has been pending for more than 10 years is about forestry, and uh, where they communicated the needs to think about uh, permits for ind indigenous communities in order to exploit this forest. For West Papuans I've spoken to, the sense of unfairness about life under Indonesian rule centres on three common complaints. Control of their land and resources has been taken away from West Papuans without their consent. They are becoming a minority in their own land. Security forces detain, torture or beat up West Papuans if they complain about these things or express independence aspirations. Septa Manafandu says there's deep mistrust between Indonesia and West Papuans. When Papua people talking about the development, uh, development rights, they said, ah, you want to freedom. And when we're talking about the right of the land, when we're talking about the right of the health, the right of uh, education, they said, ah, we already, already sent huge money to you <coughs> under special autonomy law, but how you can still want more Meanwhile, the issue of West Papua is gaining increasing attention internationally. Just this year, the United Liberation Movement for West Papua was granted observer status in the Melanesian Spearhead Group, a grouping of Melanesian Pacific countries. There's also pressure at the Pacific Islands Forum to convene a fact-finding mission to West Papua, although this was elbowed to the margins by the Prime Minister, John Key. New Zealand's had a long-standing position on Papua, where it believes that that's ultimately a matter for the Indonesians. We have and continue to speak out on all issues that we see, human rights abuses, but the main issue there really is ultimately if the people of Papua have a different perspective on their governance relations, they really have to take that up with Indonesia. PNG's Foreign Minister Rimbink Pato made clear his government defers to Jakarta on the issue. Our strongest recommendation would be to work alongside Indonesia. Indonesia has just been made associate member of the uh, MSG group and uh, that's a starting point. 
and it, should there be some issues, and obviously we'll be looking to uh, work through that and work in terms of our own bilateral relationship, we'll work together with Indonesia. In response to the surge of diplomatic activity around West Papua, Jakarta has made a big effort to engage more with Pacific Island governments. However, this is unlikely to obscure the regional spotlight on Indonesia's conduct in West Papua. Amatus Dao, whose arrival in Australia by boat with around 40 West Papuan refugees sparked a major diplomatic row between Canberra and Jakarta, became the United Liberation Movement's ambassador for Australia and the Pacific. The international community, they never know about what's really happening in West Papua because of, you know, no media, no journalists. So I want to tell the reality things that are happening in West Papua. It's part of the raising awareness to the international community, you know, to the governments. Leo Mbiri says West Papuans see a future as part of Indonesia as mainly bleak. Because I can't deny that Papuan people also have strong demand for independence. I believe that it is humanity acknowledged. One of my, our women leaders said, we don't want to give birth and giving our children to be killed. And I think it is a statement of humanity. It's a right of peoples. So when people didn't see any future, they will choose another political stand to make sure that they have good future life. Franz Albert Joku says life is far better today for West Papuans than during the years under the rule of President Suharto. He says Papuans have the right to live peacefully in their homeland with a form of self-government, but that they must seize opportunities. Look at building a, a, a better future for ourselves rather than sitting here every day waking up, dreaming about being independent, not wanting to work the land or the garden or fish the lake or the sea. Um, it's time for serious, uh, uh, serious reflection and taking serious decisions by ourselves. The Papua governor, Lucas Inembe, says it's crucial that the autonomy package is reworked to ensure adequate protections for West Papuans, their well-being and culture. He has warned that West Papuans could disappear as a people if they remain marginalised. If you ask me 10 or 20 years again um, in the future, I thought Papuans might be gone already if we don't protect them. I mean, they vanish because nowadays we haven't got the exact number of Papuans, but it's decreasing very rapidly. Back at Yobe village, fisherman Yafeth Fele feels the Melanesian culture needs protection. I think because we have uh, our customary law here, working for a long, long time ago, then uh, I believe that it, it will be good for us compared with the Indonesian law. And I also thinking that we are Melanesian, we are not Asia, so we should take our, uh, our culture back, uh, we should fight for that, and we should uh, use our customary law here to protect our, our people and our land. Well, we've just crossed back over the border without incident. The soldiers even asked for selfies with us. And then the PNG customs officer remarked about how it was a first for him stamping both the New Zealand and Solomon Islands passport at this post. The Indonesian government's move to open up West Papua to journalists is a step towards greater transparency. 
And there's also considerable hope over Jakarta's new efforts to bring development to Papua and free some political prisoners. But this is just a start.